Hi, so welcome. Uh, I'm Liz Ryerson, and you're listening to Beyond the Filter, my uh, podcast about uh, digital media, new media, or digital art, digital media, new media, and video games. Um, and so I, I, I've been uploading it to archive.org. You can check out my last show. Um, I'll, I'll probably have an actual website at some point soon, so bear with me. But um, I'm talking right now to Natalie Lawhead, um, who makes interesting experimental uh, games, primarily using Flash. And so that's the, the thing that I at least wanted to start talking about is what is Flash... Um, what is interesting about it uh what what's kind of the history about it and why do so many people hate on it uh but anyway uh so can i start out hi natalie hi <laughs> uh can i start out asking you uh what what is flash exactly uh by marketing definition it is a platform to create rich interactive media for the web and beyond and uh, it started as an animation platform and people and they eventually introduced a, you know a degree of interactivity with action script one and people started using it for making websites and uh, crazy what? experimental websites yeah oh so around what era was this in oh geez I, I um, I would say around 1999, 2000, I think. That's when it was really starting to get good. I mean, that's where I remember being bit by the bug to make crazy, interactive, online, wacky experiences. I mean, um, I, I don't know. It, I, when I talk about Flash, I like going back to how um, unbelievable and amazing websites were. I mean, people like hating on and going, oh, my God, the usability was so bad, and they cherry-pick all the worst examples out of it. But mm -hmm. a, a lot of the stuff we have today like um uh you know just the basic when you interact with your phone and uh, things animate in and out and zoom in and out yeah. start that that all started with flash you know so mm -hmm. and uh geez some of the websites that were so ahead of their time you know like basically questioning what art is and everything had to be interactive like there was this illustrator uh i think he moved on to Tokidoki, whatever, I, th I think it was him, Tokidoki, and he had his illustrations online, and he made them interactive, so these are interactive illustrations, and it, everything was so cool, like, it just interactive layer on everything, and the future of art, and art is interactive, and it was all part of the web, you know, and then, I guess, uh, I, I, I do agree that it was used in places where it shouldn't have been, but, uh, a lot of the hate, I think, came from the fact that it was being used in banner ads, and by their nature, they're irritating and a terrible idea and kind of abusive, and because it competed with a lot of uh, other tools, I, I, I do think it, it, there's a lot of competition and people that tried to buy it and tearing it down, and uh, like Microsoft tried to buy it from Macromedia, and Macromedia turned them down, and Microsoft had their Silverlight players. Was, was this, like, early 2000s? Yeah, okay. Around the time when they announced Sparkle, right? You know, that was... It what, what, is, what is Sparkle? It, well, it became Silverlight, you know, like... Oh, was, the, the plug-in yeah. that is used for, like, Netflix and yeah, that kind that of was, stuff. Yeah, that was, like, at the time, and I remember because I got so pounded with, uh, you got to get into Sparkle, Silverlight is the future, it's going to flash as a sinking boat. That was... <laughs> Forever ago. I mean, that, that is old. But since then, I've been listening to the whole Flash is dead and evil nonstop. But the thing is that uh, they wanted to have their alternative then, and it was to uh, Microsoft only, and Apple wanted, Apple wanted to have a similar thing. And I mean, there was a, so under, I mean, under the hood, there's lots of competition going on for who's going to own interactivity and set the standards for user experience and all that. So... Flash was always too accessible and pissed in everyone's pool. So, you know, Steve Jobs wrote that thoughts on Flash thing. And when people, when was that? Um, I, I don't remember. I think it was 2010 or something. Oh, right. But, yeah. Okay. But he wrote that and like, 
you know, there's plenty of documentaries and commentaries on why he wrote that. I mean, one author wrote a book about him and said it was because uh, Adobe made their tools uh, not only for Mac, but also for PC. <laughs> like, they expanded, and at that time, Apple was doing really bad, and Steve took it personally because he was the kind of person that took things personally and then went to <laughs> Adobe and wrote that. So it was like... Basically, so so it was it was calculated in some yeah, ways. Yeah, it was a rich boy's pissy fit about it. Um, so as I I kind of I, sorry to cut you off. I kind of want to go back a little bit just to to provide some context for this. So could you explain um, what was accessible about Flash? What is ActionScript one, and what kind of led to um, all these websites that were more kind of interesting and experimental um, and what how did you get into that how did you get interested in that well uh, flash was very accessible because the plugin was so lightweight and it could be put on pretty much anything uh, so could you could you explain like how how this how this plugin worked exactly or just some basic like outline of it because I I actually don't know a lot about flash so I, I'm kind of curious to know. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's I. Um, this is where I get kind of hazy because it's been a long time since I was really uh, totally into that's fine plugin and history of the plugin. So you know, there's probably better people to ask. But um, at that time, plugins were plenty. Everyone had a plugin, uh, you know, and. Uh, and Before this would that, like run in a in a inside in a, a web browser, yeah, you know inside absolutely. a web browser. browser. Okay. Uh, before that, there was I think it was called Shockwave plugin, and a lot of games and uh, rich content was made in that. For example, there was this one really historically groundbreaking site. It was for Donnie Darko. I think it was Donnie Darko, and that was really an amazing site. DonnieDarko.com. Yeah, as far as I remember, that was Shockwave player. That was pretty heavy and consumed a lot of resources. And uh, then um, you had Flash, which was lightweight. And in the highlight of its time, people would say that it was on 99% of all computers. So what, what do you what do you mean by lightweight? It just didn't take up very much space on the hard drive. If I remember right, it okay. was it was under a megabyte to, to install it. Oh, okay. So it was really light, right? I mean, you can say then, well, stuff in Flash was buggy and slow, but th that's the same as saying stuff in JavaScript is buggy and slow and you know it's really up to the person that built it so I mean these are that's a bad excuse it's 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 up to the the pro it's how the programmer yeah. uses it yeah totally but uh, so it was really the best uh, way to push interactivity for the internet I mean there was nothing like it and I would contend there's still nothing like it that's why I keep using it but so it's kind of like a, a a blank palette in the way that like like um it's so, so you can you can do a variety of things you can interact in a variety of ways there are like animations you can have you know you can have things that are more conventional kind of video games or you can have things that are just straight up web browsers or sort of what a lot of sites seem to do at the time which is somewhere, sort of somewhere in between where you're navigating online you know presumably in your browser and this is the the you know a serious website but there's all these other kind of un unexpected results that happen for it that kind of make it uh an artistic experience is that yeah yeah i remember conversation at the long time ago was that websites are the new art and the new way of creating an online environment it was all about Kind of how we talk about games today, games, virtual spaces, uh, um, feelings, abstract spaces, right? So websites, we're talking about that too, online, virtual spaces, uh, emotion, interactivity. How can interactivity pioneer sh showing, making a feeling and showing an environments, rich environments? So, mm -hmm. I mean, there, so... It was funny too, like uh, the award-winning sites. It was every day something new and every day something really amazing and profound. It, it reminds me a lot how the alt game scene is today, you know. So, so what are some of your favorite examples of sites that were at the time that really did something interesting and like what kind of stuff that did they do? 
Well, there's one I remember. It, it really left a impression on me because it was so fuck usability. That mm-hmm. here's an experience. You know, uh, he his it was abnormal behavior. Child, you you can Google it. Maybe you'll find it in archive. It, it's gone now. So I mean. But that was really amazing, and uh, there was also a group of people, my, my Pet Skeleton, they later had something else, but they were, a lot of this was, geez, I remember websites had a lot of soundtrack work going on, like mm, compo- yeah. composers for websites, and click a button, it fades, it makes a sound, and thing, it, transitions were a big deal, you know, I mean, we lost so much in our stupid egotistic fight for what's going to be normal, what's a standard. I mean, well, the web is dead today compared to how that was. Yeah, so so I think, like, that kind of stuff sold or did well with with, uh, with regular audiences at the time because the experience mm-hmm. of the web, being on the web was just so new that it was already kind of this, like, uh, like wow, look at what you can do. Um, yeah, it was also a lot less, it was... The web was more accessible. I mean, today with our phones, it's it's a joke. I mean, the browser on a phone is a barely functioning metal. It's, it's barely functioning junk. I mean, it's it's it, it's kept that way because they want to push apps as a way for making money. You know, because you can control an app, you can't control the web. So. So so, what do you mean by it being more accessible in in the in the past? Because a lot of people will say that it's more accessible now, and that a lot of that stuff was was clunky or whatever yeah but it wasn't as controlled if you have i'm talking about the way you interact with the web on a pc okay browsers still i mean less and less but they still allow you to go look at and access whatever you want i mean you have now them flexing their muscles and blocking pirate bay or something i don't know there was a just recently some another stupid thing but at the time you as a web content creator for the web you could s- create your own standards and push the bar for what the web can be used for. And uh, the browser, there were there were less rules about yeah, all that. Yeah, people stuff. that made browsers, they had to actually keep up with the content creators. Today, it's a reverse. Content creators have to cater towards the browser and make sure it's all in line with what the big players want to push. It's it's ridiculous. So I mean, if say if people say the web is open and free, there's it's not open and free anymore. It's a heavily monetized medium that's becoming less and less open and free because uh, our focus is on making money and not making amazing art or experiences or really being free information. Okay. I mean, I think with the way things are going now, that the only way of accessing the web will be through apps, which are in the content there is just controlled. I don't think browsers are going to keep being browsers. It, it's, mm. I mean, it, it can follow how it's turning out, but so when I say the web was more accessible, I mean, you could do your own thing and mm-hmm. get away with doing all sorts of crazy crap, and that's great. More power to you. So Yeah, yeah and, and, and now it feels like a lot of that stuff is sequestered uh, mm-hmm. to either like indie games where a lot of the time you're expected to turn a profit on them and there's a lot of other expectations for that or like something like VR now which is obviously not an accessible technology for for most people um but the thing that I wanted to ask was um so what got you into uh making art on the web specifically like what got you interested in it and uh, can you talk about your first uh big work I I forget the name of it but uh, suburbia yeah um, so yeah, if you could talk about those two things, like your background, how you got into it, and um, I started as a traditional artist, which was you know sculpting and painting or drawing. So I eventually got um, I had an interest for animation, and you know Flash was a good tool for that, and uh, just in general for the fact that you know they had all, the dot com boom time. There are all sorts of buzzwords going around and this is like the, this is like late 90s right? yeah okay uh, middle late 90s uh they had 
there were all sorts of, you know the marketing for the web right because no one's using it so there was just a few people like <laughs> i still had to explain what internet was to people but yeah that's around the time that i got aol and and i got yeah. the, the internet for the first time it was about mid 90s because they had those aol discs that they just mailed to you and were total yeah. garbage but <laughs> but it got a lot of people on the internet for sure the appeal, though, was that, you know, as an artist, you could have your online gallery and anyone in the world could access your world uh, work. Anyone in the world could access your work. And it wasn't restrained to the what a museum says or exhibit says can stay or go, right? So mm -hmm. you're in control of distributing yourself. So I like that idea. So I started playing around with websites and eventually discovered interactivity. And that's where everything blew up. Because, I mean, just the thought of, like, your work can be alive. It doesn't have to be just static. You can experience it, you know, so. Yeah, and that is a fundamental flaw of, like, uh, the modern art world is, you know, you, I mean, outside of, like, installation stuff is you go into a gallery and it's a painting or a sculpture and, mm -hmm. like, bland white walls and you, there's no interaction with it. You kind of have to stand and look at it. <laughs> Yeah, and then a critic tells you how to think about it. So yeah. there's, that, there's, there's really a lot of gatekeepers, too, because yeah. that stuff has been around for so long. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I, I don't know. The web just turned everything on its head and freed everything. And you can do your own thing and set your own standards and experiment as much as you want and create your own world online. So then eventually, because I, I did a lot of poetry, too, so how would I illustrate poetry in a sense that's different. So I came up with Blue Suburbia, which was like an interactive animation with poetry. And the point is you go read, you feel the poems, not only read them, you know, experience literature. So that was my first thing. Yeah, the, I mean, that's interesting how um, a lot of this, like, new interactive art, whatever you want to call it, um, allowed allows you to combine so many different mediums with each other um mm -hmm. in a way that you can't really do even with film because you can really make somebody even interact with the text of a poetry whereas in film you just have to read a poem or something like that and so it like allows people who are artists in multiple mediums uh or who have something interesting to combine them all in a in a way that's that's new yeah. and it I feels mean, like that informs a lot of like that early stuff and uh also like i guess we can get into net art which is it seems like a lot of overlap um uh because a lot of net art used flash right yeah yeah i, I remember quite a bit of it using flash net art was like a, a movement in the in the mid to late 90s might have started before that um and of artists who were kind of trying to do challenging new things in like a digital space and obviously there's a lot of overlap with like fl or flash and and also there were a lot of like i know back in the um uh early 2000s well i mean the the website is still up but like like one of their flash portals were a really big thing and it's the website where you you go and you can upload your flash animation and um you know i guess this is a little bit after um a little bit after like because it's it's almost like a step down or something and like commodifying it or something like where you can upload it in your little window and you're a you're mm -hmm. a user and you know people make flash animations um but and and sites like Newgrounds or is the most popular example and that was kind of a, a big exposure for me for flash but i think before that um especially is um when a lot of the sites that were more experimental where you just go on the site and there's this tremendous like weird animation and you know you you click on different stuff and and then that was all over the place right that wasn't just like yeah it's it's a unique presence online on its own independent of anything it, it's its own voice and i mean you know there was a point in internet history i remember where everyone was making their own website you had a website for your dog you had like right so like personal websites mm -hmm. and i think the early period of social media even like things like new ground it kind of killed that by creating a template and a place for you to have your own you can't you know when you yeah on social media you, you you're not making your own website anymore you have your own page on someone else's page with their templates and their themes and 
it's less flexible and le less freedom to you just as uh, from an art point of view. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in a lot of those older sites, you would use something like GeoCities or like yeah, AltaVista yeah. or something like that. But uh, outside of that, and, and you might be put in a sort of a web ring, like, or, you know, kind of a series of related sites, but... Outside of that, like, yeah, you could do anything that you wanted with the page. I had one of those, <laughs> one of those web pages back in like, uh, I don't know how long ago it was. Uh, I know my my brother did too. He had like a, we got really into uh, Nintendo NES collecting, um, and there was a community for that online, um, and that was like late '90s. Um, he had a website, and I also had a website about like Wolfenstein. 3d because i was into that and i think i also had a personal website or whatever but yeah like yeah it, it is it was a lot different like in a way um it was a lot different because you had to write the you know the code of your own page and mm -hmm. um and um something like Newgrounds, while you don't have to do the work uh still kind of it seems to be a model for what was you you know what youtube sort of took from yeah um with the loss of all that customization we lose a lot of personal voice too you know like i mean today when you browse internet you're not really browsing internet you're browsing social media it's all restricted in a little very controlled corner where when we ha had the idea our mindset of everyone needs a website and everyone needs to make their own website you really browsed internet you browse you were visiting a person and getting to know the person from their own personal present presentation and the way they decide to show the world about themselves and i don't know you know and people have social media is great you know it, it's accessible but in focusing only a, a, on that we lost a lot of what the web really was about and the potential the web could have had you know mm-hmm well, the, that's one thing that struck me about, to go back to, like, Blue Suburbia, um, what's the, that's still online, right? Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the URL for that? Bluesuburbia.com. Okay, bluesuburbia.com. Cool. Um, well, what really struck me about that is, um, I mean, it, it still feels very fresh to me. It's, it still feels like an experimental game someone would put on, like, the iPad or something like that, um, in that, like you but it's just a website you just go to the website you interact and and there are a lot of interactions where like you just like things that you really don't expect happen and there's a lot of like wait it feels like you know there's a, a, a thematic um you know like uh there's a there's a reason or there's like a something that the website is trying to express but it's just weird to think about like that is a website like, co you know, people kind of I think people go on the Web now and they think like, OK, that you have an expectation for what a website is and what it is means to interact with something online. And that's like a, you know, like, OK, you know, you have these things organized in certain you know windows and you're trying to manage this like uh you you know either your friends or your your finances or or all your emails and there's this kind of a very institutional uh framework but there's no reason why anything has to be that way like the code is arbitrary you could you could code anything you could have someone click on a text and it send you into play a bizarre sound and it sends you into a really weird animation and like there are just there's so many things that you could do and there's no reason there's no like actual reason if you look at what the technology is capable of why you couldn't do anything like that it it's all this kind of like expectation and this kind of normalization mm -hmm. uh of the web that we have where things are very sequestered into um different like you know you expect to get something weird from youtube or you expect to get something weird from uh steam or itch.io or something like that um but you don't expect to get something weird when you just go to a web page and that's like i think a lot of people don't even know that a lot of people's exposure to the web they don't even understand that you can literally do anything and there's so that seemed to disappear and i guess maybe 
I mean, what you're talking about, uh, I think the the business interests took over. Yeah, and they, absolutely. Yeah, they found a way to become more entrenched with what what was already out there and kind of be an extension of corporate corporate America and you know banks and corporate media and all that kind of stuff and and as much as so social media and the tech world want to act like they're independent they really became successful by integrating themselves with those things um like but um where was I going with that um I just as much as that is a problem I also think that maybe the web was just so new and so different for people that they didn't know how to deal with it. Like, I do know that, like, one problem that I had with Flash at the time when I was a kid, um, well, I mean, part of it is like, okay, I just want to get the information. And sometimes websites would have this <laughs> thing where it's like, okay, you're going to obfuscate as much as possible. And you just want basic information. They got information. all into how cool they were and their own coolness and their own yeah. presentation. They, they were trying to, like, one-up each other. There is that kind yeah, of attitude. I mean, you know, there is always that competition with being the coolest because that way you get all the awards and everyone would talk about you and who's got the coolest website and all that. But and there, yeah. there wasn't anything like Wikipedia out there, like, <laughs> you know, where you could just look something up and, you know. Which, I mean, Wikipedia is not... <laughs> is not uh doesn't necessarily make money so i i guess like you know as as many problems as people have with it i i'd still definitely put it outside of like facebook or paypal or g gmail or whatever but um I mean, it's interesting i think people really forgot how websites could have been or all the potential they had like i remember that when things like the suburbia started getting attacked a lot of it was uh usability and people preaching usability and yeah. it kind of became a self-policing thing where websites can be all that websites can be super crazy but no one's even going to try to do that anymore because user experience is so ingrained in people that it's not even brought into question that you could even step outside that box you know yeah kinda, well uh, another problem that i wanted to mention about like some of those websites is i didn't have a very fast connection so oftentimes they mm -hmm. took a really long time to load and that made it like hard for me to appreciate some of that stuff because there was that like barrier there was still that barrier of like okay this is you know this takes a long time to load and I just want to get this information and and like of course I think there are there are other reasons like why things went the other direction and why it disappeared so quickly but it is like I don't know. Well, we can get into it later, but I'll uh, feel free to talk more about this. Sorry. <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's great to talk about it. I mean, you know, um, a lot of the the whole loading thing that was. I mean, if you are architected it different, you wouldn't have to have had that. But you know, that was all experimental websites in themselves also had a lot of self-imposed rules of what is cool and the current trend and all that. I mean, there were a lot of websites made just for the sake of being trendy. I mean, I miss all that because it was so much more creative than whatever the hell this is today, you know? I mean, yeah. when we when you say website, people will automatically think scrolling and text and video, maybe if it's edgier and animated GIF of, GIFs, of course, are starting to be more evil, so you should probably avoid that and images. I mean, that's it. There's no more the website itself is a presence and it's alive and if people do that, then it's kind of like you're stigmatizing yourself. I mean, it it's just not cool anymore to be creative online outside of just, you know. I mean, video games is where I feel, that's why I guess I'm most very attracted to video games because it's awesome to be experimental in video games. I mean, you know, we could maybe learn from the web and what led to it being this standard whatever it is um, and apply it to games, you know. But a lot of the problem was the... Get, this is how you get rich online. This is how your website will make money. This is so you know, like mm -hmm. when you have video games preaching. This is how your video game is going to be successful. This is what you follow. This is the type of game you make to make money. You know, it's the same thing. You know, and that kills creativity or our ability to accept 
different experiences because if something is different and is not making money, it's evil. It must, yeah. you know, kill it, make it go away. Well, yeah, that's the, um, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people who work for social media or something, you know, who are the more, uh, you know, liberal minded or whatever might say that like, okay, yeah, that's all true. But like, look, we connected all these people who wouldn't normally be connected and like, look at Twitter, like, and how it's been sort of integrated with uh, social movements and all that kind of stuff. And for like, I think my, my take on that would be like, yes, all this technology uh, makes it possible. And you do need someone with enough resources to provide like a mass amount of people that technology. And with those resources comes like, obviously other business interests and investors who are going to define the or push the realm a certain way so i don't know like to have what we have now where at least a lot of different kinds of people are connected at least theoretically um i don't know if you'd be able to have like to connect that um without the technology and resources that would be provided by existing interests but then on the other hand i would say that like okay the technology makes it possible now but that doesn't mean that you have to use the technology for that like everyone's connected but like but that doesn't that doesn't preclude having to connect them in the way that facebook or twitter does at all like you could connect them another way so it is kind of like uh, some of the way that the web went, I guess, feels inevitable, and some of it doesn't to me. Um, well, isn't it kind of uh, weighing Twitter's worth, uh, by, uh, weighing uh, something si worth by size, the same thing as saying Candy Crush is a better game because it has the most people playing it and makes the most money? I mean, experimental websites and experimental games and all that, they ha they may not be as big but they're still just as relevant and important because is i mean i think everything has a right to be on the web and when we preach wanting to kill this technology kill that kill net art kill, you know we're removing voices and it's the same thing as when you know alt games become a thing of the past we look back and go wow i'm happy alt games are gone they were so annoying it, it's wait kinda, could, so could, could you could you briefly talk about all, like what alt games are and also i want to go back to talk about why so what went what has gone behind killing flash like kind of the um the rhetoric behind that and why that's been such a big thing and when that started so but first uh can you tell me like what exactly is alt games just for people listening uh i define them by as weird games or alternative games like uh problematic or uh it, well no it is good it's it, everything about that like Okay, like there's a floor you fall you're the, 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 the second you're the second my first podcast interview also like mentioned <laughs> problematic he's like yeah okay, people okay. better go play it now get it but, get a streak going <laughs> but, I, yeah. I yeah you're right there's a floor and you just fall through the floor it's so brilliant it's so stuff, shit like that it's just it's it takes everything you expect about a game and just you know, no, we're doing it our own way. And it, it's a unique experience all on its own without a, any kind of context outside of, you know, it's, it exists on its own by its own definition. So, and, and it seems like alt games is a thing that was kind of a reaction against, well, one, like, um, I mean, I think of it as being, cause like queer games were sort of a thing very briefly. Of course, when they started to be called queer games, they weren't a thing anymore, but, um, like uh b before that indie games were were w uh back in like the early or mid 2000s uh when indie games started to become a label like a thing they were definitely more experimental but then they started making a lot more money and that kind of scene excluded a lot of people so then kind of alt games was something that arose out of that specifically about also about inclusivity like there's a lot more you know people of color and uh, and stuff uh, associated with alt games, um, but, and that's like a recent thing, though. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it is. So, so you associate what you make um, sort of with alt games? I feel the drawn the closest to that label because what other people are doing is similar to what I'm making, so I guess it applies, you know. Okay, so let's go and talk about. Let's go back and talk about Flash. 
why people wanted to kill Flash. Obviously, you said some stuff about like stuff about usability, um, but like kind of where that started and that continuing today. Um, and yeah, yeah, if you could just talk. Well, about it. in the end, I remember pretty well when you had this big usability expert. Uh, he does he did use it.com Jacob Nielsen or whatever, but. He, would, he wrote this article called Flash 99% Evil before, based on another article. It was actually written in 1999 called Flash 100% Evil. I think it was Flash 100% Evil. And they're just ripping experimental websites basically apart. The main thing is the usability plus also bandwidth concerns. So it was always cool. There was always a... a subculture outside there was always a culture outside of flash that just hated flash just because it's cool to hate flash it's cool to hate different things why why and was it it it's it's not cool it's cool to hate flash because it's it's not usable in that sort of programmer yeah yeah it's sense okay esoteric weird unusable as a, also as a for end users like who wants to watch an intro before you enter a website that's just stupid right i mean it, it it's not was, streamlined yeah, it's it was the web looking for its own its own uh, way of how you make internet with uh, you, you, conformity and you know uniformity. Well, and and a lot of those people might have interpreted a lot of Flash to be like people just don't know how to make usable websites. Like that's yeah, something totally. I see. Yeah, that's something I see with games now too. Like yeah, absolutely. It basically, you know, it's, it's eerie. All the stuff about a lot of the arguments against alt games or experimental games it, it reminds me so much of early web early web it, it's not funny it's like it's the same thing except the names you know swapped out but it, you know and then more people started speaking up against flash and i really think that a lot of larger companies hated flash just because uh, it pissed in everyone's pool and it was hard to compete with so you know why not rip it apart and I mean I know when I defended I, I hear I heard all the arguments against it I mean I, I, I you know when I talk about it, I hear the internet in my ear you know angry internet comments so I mean you know but it's today when people are like yeah kill flash I mean they really don't know what they're talking about some of them don't even know what flash is it's just cool to hate on it because it automatically makes you sound technical you know it's funny because when, you, when I get into conversations with some of them, they really honestly don't know what it is. It should just die, though, you know? So so people started hating on Flash in the early 2000s. Flash still exists now. What? Wh why hasn't it died? And wh why are people... Well, I guess, I guess you answered why people are continually trying to kill it. But why hasn't Flash died or, or really gone anywhere for the last 10, 15 years? Well, it is really... One of the better things for me, I mean, you know, I, I, I tried out other tools, but for making games for the web, it, it really is a lot easier and better and faster than HTML5, and you can do... And H HTML5 is a pretty recent thing, right? It's, it's an umbrella term, really. I mean, it's uh, when you say HTML5, you mean the CSS3 and JavaScript of various uh, flavors. So, I mean, it's so an umbrella So, this term. is an, an update to HTML that's trying to include flash-like features but in a but in a clunkier way i guess yeah, right yeah i mean it's it's a marketing term I mean, why, why why the version number here you know just say HTML, but you know it's uh it's supposed to be flash without a plugin but uh, you know it uh, and html is just web language right it's just, yeah yeah it's a uh, tag based scripting language. I'm, I'm sorry i'm really bad with these definitions oh but. no 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 i just i'm just trying to clarify for because it, it is a world of like so many definitions and yeah excuse I'll, the dyslexia just <laughs> yeah i'll just like do the best job that i like we can do the best job we that we can to clarify uh, without yeah i mean yeah so in terms of why it's still around today, a lot of websites use it. It does a lot of things that HTML5, JavaScript, or whatever, just can't yet do. And I don't think it will ever really be up to par with it because there's, in the end, there's no interest in making uh, browsers or phones, the browser on the phone, supporting the web 100% because that cuts into apps. So, I mean, in the end... Uh, Multimedia on the web is really gonna just be video, I think. You know. Hmm. Well, why do you think that? Well, okay. So, the the place where it's really surviving right now is in games, and mm -hmm. well, 
what I mean by that, uh, HTML5 and Flash games on a web, that's where you, H, where interactivity on the web is still being pushed. Mm-hmm. It's not websites anymore. Websites aren't bringing anything new to the table anymore in terms of con- concepts, you know, new new ideas. So we have games on the on the web, and it that that's I, I don't know. It's, it's like I, I I like asking: Is the web really better off without the Unity player? Are the new games uh, HTML5 games from Unity better than the Unity player games you could play? I mean, it and and Uni- Unity is like a hugely yeah, popular it, it, uh, game development program. So with uh, removing all these plugins from the web, the web is really stepping back and it's taking a step back in terms of quality because now you have only HTML5 where you can really do at least halfway decent experimental things. And that that's so limited to, according to what you could do. And I, I don't see browsers really allowing experimental anymore. I mean, it's getting harder and harder. I mean, like you have Google and they'll rank you down if your website doesn't adhere to certain things like uh, yeah. be scalable. So, I mean, what, what a lot of, I, yeah, a lot of people don't know that that, that stuff all yeah, happens. But stuff like that happens all the time. I, I get letters from them saying, uh, you're going to get this and that if you don't change this and that. I mean, what's that about? Google's supposed to search the web, not tell the web how to be the web, you know? And so I really don't see much future for internet other than big business video stuff i mean that it's really it so yeah well i mean it's it's a it's like a it's still an issue today like it's still an issue that everyone is struggling with i think because well one thing i want to say is that definitely i think you're right in that we lose something when websites um and the idea that you can just go online and go to something and and have that be an artistic experience we lose that uh, because the web is the normal thing we interact with. So so when our experience is defined by something sort of more artistic, it kind of changes the way that we look at the world. But now, because things are very sequestered into their own kind of like, okay, you can do your weird thing, but it has to be in a video that's on YouTube or it has to be in a game uh, that's put on a distribution service or it has to be in VR or it happen- has to be in your album that you put on Bandcamp or it has to be in your your picture or animated gif that you post on tumblr but it can't be like in the website it can't be it can't interfere with usability and i think it kind of has that thing of the the classic uh gallery problem of this art can exist and it can be weird as long as it stays some sort of commodity that we can do something with but as 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 soon as it starts challenging our method for sort of monetizing or keeping it in its sequestered like place then it becomes dangerous mm-hmm. um and i think you're right that flash interferes with that but the the odd thing to me is even as a just a game development platform i mean um yeah even as just a game development platform i made problematic in a program that uses flash and the weird thing to me is like i feel like m- I feel like there's a better chance of that game being preserved in Flash than a lot of games that are made in HTML5 today. Oh yeah, seriously. And a lot of people <laughs> would say the opposite. No, I no, actually that is true because uh, if you look at HTML, I, I've been doing web stuff for a long time, and that doesn't start and end with Flash. I was doing HTML and JavaScript crap too, but. Uh, the thing is that with browsers being in charge of how you see the web and how HTML and JavaScript or anything else is really supported on the web, that means it's, it, they don't give a shit about backward compatibility. That's yeah, the, once something is updated, yeah, that that's happened with old Unity yeah, games. There was a... So, absolutely. So, yeah. though, though, to interject, no, Flash, go, go ahead. and Flash Player has a long-standing history, and I know they really care about this, is that... Every update of Flash, it has to, they really make sure it's backward compatible. I mean, if ActionScript 2 stuff still functions in its own, I forgot what it's called, virtual machine. I don't know. Don't, don't take my word for it. I'm really dyslexic with that. But for, it, virtual, really, it might be a virtual machine. Yeah, they, but they really care about backward compatibility. That has always been a big deal. So Blue Suburbia, for example, last updated flash player 8 it's still action script 2 it still functions the same way as the day i put it online and old my older 
older HTML stuff, it, it's gone. You know? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't if, exist. <laughs> if you look at old, a lot of the old net art stuff, uh, some of it, you know, that's considered significant might be preserved um, by people who are, you know, curators or whatever. But a lot of it just won't work uh, just because uh, part th things about HTML five changed or it's, things about HTML and all that kind of stuff changed and updates made it not function as intended or not function at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the browsers, they don't care. Big players like Google or Firefox or Apple, they, they don't care about little artists. They care about big businesses and what they think is pushing the web ahead. Now, it, this has no place for history and past work has no place in the future, you know, in this, that sense. That's like, it's interesting to me too, because I see like, and I, I don't want to, I might actually have him on the show. I don't want to like shit talk him, but, um, uh, this guy, Frank Cifaldi, who's a, like a game preservationist did a talk at GDC this year. And I was actually going to write a piece about it until I just got too much anxiety about finishing and and doing more video game shade throwing and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, he did a piece about video game preservation and or he did a talk about it and he was saying how emulation is really great for video game preservation. But he said something like, um, you know, the biggest threat to game preservations are games that have never come out. Uh, so there might only be one copy that exists. But I feel like there's actually more interest I see on the web more interest in like really random obscure Nintendo or Super Nintendo games mm -hmm. uh, than you know something that it might have lots of artistic value that was on the web or that was like a free game made by someone like there is this incredible interest in Nintendo and everything that sort of came out around that and that is incredibly well preserved like all the NES ROMs will be around for you know and and yeah maybe there is danger of that kind of stuff disappearing but that's such a bubble like it's such a bubble why do you care about like nintendo or you know sega or capcom or konami's like intellectual property over like some of this other stuff and yeah it's true it's a very cherry pick way of remembering things it's i mean it's basically how we remember history it's written by people that win wars, not the little people that, you know, this... I'm sorry, I'm interjecting about Yeah, yeah no, no. Through. Like, and there was an article um, in uh, a Maze Festival, which is a, a game festival that happens in Berlin. They had a, um, a newspaper thing that they were hanging at, uh, handing out at, at the Game Developers Conference GDC, which we were both at in San Francisco this, like, I guess two months ago. And, um... There was an article about my favorite games uh, that no longer exist, and this is by somebody who wrote wrote about independent games from like 2007 to 2011, something like that. And there are about 50 games on there that don't exist either because they disappeared from the web and they just were small enough to where, you know, like maybe they're on someone's hard drive somewhere, but they're not so well known that uh, that you know that has been made available. Um, or a web player, you know, like Unity. Some of them stopped working just because Unity updated, and mm -hmm. um, they it, they just won't work anymore, or things like that. Like they and and this is stuff from the past ten years, some even the past five years that doesn't exist anymore, and like that's a huge problem with that art too and that so much of that history is being lost and yet there's all this interest in fucking nintendo games <laughs> yeah. like w which are not very in danger compared to like other stuff you know like it's a bigger problem when you go back to like um people have tried their best to prov uh to um back up all the dos and like uh c64 and and stuff like that programs um but a lot of that stuff is gone too because a lot of that stuff was like distributed locally. And this is back in the 80s and early 90s before really the web was a big thing. A lot of, there might have been really interesting, like I was looking at one of those uh, old Abandonware sites. Um, Abandonware is, you know, games that are like, you know, not supported and not being sold commercially by, um, by the developers so are available. 
and there was all these things that were released for DOS that I had never heard of, like just incredibly obscure. I've never seen any videos on YouTube about them, or may maybe there is one, but like, um, and and there's like a lot of software too, um, and a lot of that stuff was very strange, um, because that's still the that's the era like in you know like Commodore sixty fours came packed in. Uh, it's like a, a user computer, uh, a computer that you could buy, consumer computer um, in the in the 80s. They came packed in with like BASIC, which is a programming language, and computer magazines came with programs that you could write, write in and, and run, and there was a lot more encouragement for people to get in and program, and that's where some of people's favorite games from the 90s and all, even like Nintendo, all that stuff kind of comes... The, the reason why a lot of developers got in, um, a lot of people don't know that like a lot of Japanese developers got started because of Japanese computers that were similar to, um, you know, C64, like Squaresoft and all that kind of stuff. They made games for, the, you know, the, the either the MSX or the FM Towns Marty or some of those like um, home computers. Uh, and, and that's how they got in and that's how they developed um, and that's how like like id software who made doom and all these other people and that's how like all the billionaires and all the kind of stuff who exists now that's how they got into to programming and they get a, they get into this stuff because if you wanted to like there were definitely a lot of gatekeepers there like it cost money you had to know people to some extent but if you wanted to get into it you could any one person could get into it but then things got so big and it feels like a lot of that did move to the web, but like, um, but now it just it 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 does feel like a feel like a beast, and there's so much like interest behind not having it be accessible to a regular user, and not having, and and so much of that history gets lost because when it might pro provide like a different answer or whatever to. Um, to how to like look at you know our society our culture how we interact with things on the internet but no one's interested in preserving it or they don't have the resources and that's like i don't know i just i <laughs> it's one of the reasons i'm doing this podcast i guess <laughs> um but yeah i guess um i did want to ask you about um how i know of you which is tetrageddon games which is your compilation of games um i I found it through judging the independent games festival and like seeing this really bizarre thing that I was like, okay, this is probably kind of interesting, but it probably doesn't like <laughs> it's, it's probably someone's experiment, you know? Uh, and then I actually played it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, could, could you just talk about like what sort of went into the creation of Tetrageddon games? I know what some of it has to do with like, you got into like developing and then that stuff went afoul and then you started making mm -hmm. your own stuff. But yeah, if you could talk about that after blue suburbia, sort of what happened and what got you into Tetrageddon. Yeah. Um, for blue suburbia, I never considered that a game. It was art, right? I mean, an artist says it's art, it's art. Uh, don't call it entertainment. It's insulting to call something entertainment. Yeah. So Internet picks it up like something awful forms and you get the idea that that kind of crowd and they start calling it a game and Because it's called a game now before that before being called a game It's interesting people are like, oh my god, this is deep. I've never seen anything like it blew my mind You call it a game and suddenly people are uh, I'm lost what, help what's happening. What am I supposed to do? What's the goal? Where, how do I win like yeah it, it completely confused so the, and it took off as a game then, right? And people spread it as a game. Like, look at this weird game. What the hell? And, and so it, I, I was fighting that label for a really long time, like try, trying so hard to get people to stop calling it a game, but it didn't really work. So eventually I accepted the idea of making a game. So I started doing Tetrageddon. And... Uh, a, a game company found my work and asked me to work for them. And that was a disaster. I worked for two game companies and that was a total disaster. But mm -hmm. then I came back to Tetrageddon and I thought, okay, I'm going to make this work for myself. I want to make games and I'm going to make my kind of games and see how far I can go with that. So that, I guess that's where I am today. I'm making, I care about 
experimental things more than mainstream consumer art. I, I want to make something that's totally new and unique and people haven't seen before. And I feel like I'm the most comfortable the alt game scene because that seems to be where what everyone's trying to do is just unusual and weird and not done before things. Like, I mean, you know, Lauren's work, she, that, that's really... L Lauren, Lauren Schmidt. Yeah, it's so inspiring. Like the, Strawberry cubes. Strawberry yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just the, that, that kind of stuff. It's so inspiring, and no one else can make that kind of game but Lauren, right? And, mm -hmm. like, problematic. No one else can make that kind of game but you. So you have these totally unique experiences that no one else can make except that artist. Only that artist could come up with it. So, I mean, you know, that's where I am today, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to see if there is a financial future in that, but that's, you know, that's uh, a thing to be determined. But, I mean, I think it's encouraging because there's more of a dialogue to how important these games are, how important these artists are, and interest in supporting or show, speaking for the artists. I mean, like, in uh, online publications and reviewers, I mean... I think it's cool that people are supporting game artists and, you know, I mean, the web didn't have that. The web uh, websites, I remember, though, they there was a very commercial and aggressive, uh, successful people were very commercial and aggressive and it was very macho. And I think the fact that the commercial aspect kind of killed the focus only on commercial. It wasn't really artists. It was... A commercial application kind of yeah people trying to demonstrate their technical yeah. ability and that, therefore higher ability yes exactly that that endangered the cultural relevance of it and i i see alt games is doing that a little different and that it's right away it's not it's not really super focused on commercial and if you don't make money you're a loser or like you're basically a leper no. you know? which is which is where indie games are at right now yeah so i mean it's an interesting point in game history to see where all this will go. I hope it will not turn out like the web where you have only one type of game that's allowed and everything else is kind of shunned or you just don't do that anymore. You know, it's it's interesting. Well, I mean, in a cynical way, um, what we were talking about earlier, I kind of think that um, it, it has more of a chance of staying around because it's in its own bubble. Like... <laughs> It doesn't challenge the way that people think about, like, I mean, it does challenge the way that people think about interactions, but people can sequester it in their own, in its own little space, which is a really kind of why it's also hasn't gotten more I exposure or attention for the kind of people who would appreciate it. Like, I know that I could show, so like t Tetrageddon, my experience with playing that was... There's all this obnoxious, like, like internet memes and like all this kind of stuff, and like you don't know if it's ironic or or what. And um, I know you're saying that that kind of is your experience of the internet. Mm -hmm. um, did you want to talk about that a little bit, by the way? Yeah. Uh, earlier, interacting with the internet, like you know, I I, don't know, I used to visit 4chan a lot just to see how obnoxious people could get. I kind I kind of revel in crap, you know. <laughs> And the internet was a perfect place for just the crappiest of interactions and memes. And so, yeah, Tetragon is kind of like a satire or kind of artistic interpretation of crappy internet. But, you know, I mean, like you play it and you feel like the internet is screaming in your ear. It's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well, that is like the experience of something like 4chan. Or like when I used to go on forums... Um a lot of the memes that were around on the internet in the early 2000s or whatever were super mean-spirited. Yes, no kidding. And, like, uh, that's one thing that, I don't know, it just, I, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't even say it's better or worse. In some ways, like, I'm glad that internet memes aren't really like that anymore. Like, uh, something gets popular because it's kind of weird or whatever. Um, or, like... It's someone who does a really good performance or something like that, but it isn't just like, let's make fun of this fat kid, you know, mm -hmm. which is like that, that Star Wars kid and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's super mean-spirited. And I think, like, that sort of toxicity has always kind of <laughs> gravitated towards the Internet amongst the, the weirdo outsiders 
Um, and I guess like, yeah, I mean that, 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 that culture still exists though. Um, I don't know. It's probably internet is big enough that that culture is kind of muffled or not as, uh, defining anymore as a lot of other things. But I mean, maybe that was also a, a reason why a lot of people who were trying to get into, you know, the internet or that kind of stuff felt excluded. Cause like, yeah. you know, as, as a woman who was developing stuff, I'm sure you got a lot of oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I, there was a very long period where if I would submit my work to festivals, you know, the old online festivals and they would, fi if they would find out I'm a woman, it would not be good for my work. It would, it, no one supports women are joke, right? You're, go away, you're silly, go make a baby or something. I don't know. You know, the mentality was very macho. And so then uh, I would submit as a guy name or an alias and people are like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? So yep. it, it, I don't know why. They were very macho mentality then. And maybe it still is. Yeah, it still is. But it it's still less, is. It's less popular. You can't yeah. be outgoingly chauvinistic. Yeah, you you can I know you can still are. <laughs> you can still be a misogynist, but you you have to pretend that you're not one at yeah, least. Yeah. You can't you can't outwardly exclude people. Yeah, but the the being a woman thing was always a setback. I had a long period where I just thought it's a sick joke that I have to be a girl. But you know, I mean, there's lots of personal problems you have to come to grips with it the world is just that way and you can't let them destroy you you have to just keep persisting and I mean it made me a better programmer and artist I mean because no one wants to work with you you have to learn programming yourself and then no one wants to work with you and make sound you have to learn sound yourself so now I do sound and programming and animation and all the things on my own and people think it's somehow unique and I'm like no I just out of necessity had to do that so I can make yeah easy. well but, I mean maybe better <laughs> well that's and that's the thing that that struck me about Tetrageddon is how much of a you embrace the different sort of media that you can use like a lot of games won't really think about sound or they won't really think about you know like menu interactions or things like that whereas like tetrageddon there's always some kind of like you know thing that's happening that's kind of weird and different like the the way that you use audio is different like you use some kind of effect and like the way that you have it mixed and then you use like video footage blown up uh and then overlaying stuff on it and there's just all this kind of different uh media mixing that so many people are just like struggle to do or or just don't even do at all that you seem to do so effortlessly <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's i don't know yeah it's 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 crazy how um how how achievable that stuff is and how like little people ever seem to aim for it but uh, that's again the thing that i think where like something like flash or the early web or old programs or something like software is software a website is a website you can do whatever you want with it there's no inherent rules for it to be you can make it game like you can make it not game like that's the game like thing is just an extension of interactions that you're having there's no reason there's no nothing to distinguish it from not a game or whatever it's just that's what it is but certain people were really Nintendo and all that kind of stuff were really good at sort of commodifying games as an idea and and it's I don't know that's kind of like what I what I hope gets broken down in the future but um and that's like kind of my sadness about when I go and see experimental games and it's like you know this would be more effective if there were more dimensions to this, like if you interacted with it like a website and it wasn't just this like weird thing that existed on the side and that we didn't have to call them games, but that's the only space where that stuff can exist now, I guess. Yeah, um, I think or, so. Or, I mean, or like VR, like that's a big thing now, people doing that, like, and, you know, doing artsy experiences with that because there's money in it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to be cynical about VR because <laughs> I'm sure that like, I mean, I am a little cynical about VR, but I'm sure I know like um, I see like a lot of musicians uh, who I like being like, oh, I want to work in VR, you know, and um, that's kind of the new experimental space. But the sadness of that is that, you know, 
it's partly cool to do that and it's partly cool to do that because there's money and if and but it, it there's no real like it's just another technology that we don't understand like why can't we like try and figure out there's so much more that we can do with like just interacting on a screen like wh there's so many more dimensions to this why why do we have to jump to this new technology i don't know that's how i feel about it anyway um i don't know if you have any opinions about that stuff sorry i'm going a little a little off topic yeah i mean i don't know much of anything about vr other than the games i tried at festivals so i mean the thing about it for me is that it's way too inaccessible for to for me to work with i mean the fact that you need all the equipment like you know headsets and all that i, I don't know it's not very appealing to me because no one's going to be able to play it except for the group of people that are into it yeah so another question i wanted to ask you is sort of how you feel about like because in the art world um you know stuff like net art was definitely on the outside but some of that stuff has gotten more exposure, but oftentimes it's a kind of a cynical portrait of that stuff that's presented to that kind of more establishment audience. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about that kind of stuff and how, like, you know, interactive art gets situated in that in that art world context. I, I don't know. I think mainstream things like, main art world and how they accept things, they're never going to not look down on it, you know. The only reason why something, I think, becomes popular is because it caters enough to everyone's ego and doesn't rock the boat too much, and that's why it's allowed through the door and allowed popularity. So, I mean, I I, I don't have much faith in the mainstream world anymore, so I'm not going to not be cynical about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add about that either. <laughs> I don't know. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I, f I pretty much touched on all the, the topics that I wanted to ask about. I can't think of anything. <laughs> We've been talking for a while, though. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's only been about an hour, which is nice because we fit a lot into that hour. Mm. Um, okay, well, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. In closing, I, I think you should check out Natalie's, um, you should check out Blue Suburbia, which is one of your older projects. You should also check out Tetrageddon Games, tetrageddon.com. It's a compilation of games, kind of a satire of the internet. It's really cool. Uh, what else What else have you worked on? Anatomically Incorrect Dinosaurs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of part of Tetrageddon, though, so okay. you can find all that. And, and I'm going to be releasing the new Touch again soon that you'll be able to download and buy. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I'm very proud of that one because it turned out so well and crazy and weird and loud. And yeah. And you're going to you're going to sell that online. Yeah, I'm going to publish it uh, with the for Game Jolt Marketplace first because um, I just want to see if I, you know how that's going to turn out. I've, I've been having a little bit of back and forth about Steam, so I want to try uh, the alternatives first. Yeah, that's a that's a good idea. Support Game Jeweled and Itch.io and, and those <laughs> things, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's great. Uh, thank you for talking to me. Um, I think, like, <laughs> we talked about a lot of interesting stuff. Hopefully people get stuff out of it, and definitely check out... Um, I'm going to have an actual website for this at some point, I, I promise, but it, um, in the meantime, uh, it'll be on archive.org and um and yeah i will i will i'll put a little uh, feed so that people can follow it if they want to but anyway thanks for talking to me natalie yeah thanks for having me this, this was so much fun <laughs> <laughs> okay bye bye